You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me today is the geechiest member of the MLGA network, host of Thank You for Your Servers, Master Home Brewer, Technologically Adept, and Giver of the D, Hotep Thaddeus Preston. Holla, 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 holla. What's going on, Cam? <laughs> Not much, man. The other day, you said, uh, when can I come back on the show? I have some stuff to get off my chest, and I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> So that's why we're here. I appreciate you having me on, man. I know this, it is always an honor to be on the flagship, flagship like <laughs> podcast of the MLGA network. I am so excited. Am I doing well? So, so am excited. I, am I doing well? yeah, just great. I mean, I need a little more fellatio, uh, but, you know, <laughs> I think that'll do for now. Okay. You fluffed me good. All right. All right. So, um, with that, so the first thing that, first thing that I saw today was... Andrew Cuomo. Okay, so what's been going on is they've opened up some bars in New York, but they won't let people buy alcohol at these bars unless they buy food. So there have been a lot of people that have, a lot of bar owners who have decided that they were going to sell quote-unquote Cuomo chips, which is like a bag of chips for a dollar. Okay. And you can then drink your beer and get what you want at the bar. Okay. Other places, there was one place who would sell you a roll for 70 cents, and if you didn't eat it, they'd give you the money back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just people getting around this stupid law. Um, and so Andrew Cuomo got on, I guess, TV. I just saw clips. I don't know exactly where this was. But uh, he gets on TV, and he, he has a list of foods that are substantive enough to be considered food be considered food so that you can buy alcohol at the bars. And so he says, uh, to be a bar, you have to have food available, soups, sandwiches, etc. more than just hors d'oeuvres, chicken wings. You have to have some substantive food. I, I'm glad he included chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, there's this little out, out, outcry on Twitter going, what do you mean chicken wings isn't food? And so people are like dissecting his sentence online and stuff. But the whole situation is just ridiculous to me that there is a governor out there who is now deciding what is or isn't considered food and that the the least substantive food that can be considered food is a sandwich. See, this is indicative of government, particularly (laughs) truly fascistic kind of government or, or somewhat, I wouldn't call it totalitarianism. So there's this old adage like, Progressives, particularly leftists who are in political power, want to enact legislation that basically taxes companies at like 50, 50, 51 to 52 percent, right? Or even Mm -hmm. higher. At that point, then it ceases to be the ownership of the company ceases to be that of the person who founded the company. And so when you want to sit here and dictate like things like that, um, at what point do you actually run your bar and restaurant? And yeah, so – what happens is, which is awesome in the free market, is there was people who are agile enough 
to be like, okay, so we're a bar. However, under these new quarantine rules or lockdowns or <laughs> um, fascism, um, we can't really sell. Also, pre-prohibition and prohibition laws make it very difficult for us to offer people drinks to go. So, yeah. what would get people in here to eat? Um, well, what would get people in here to drink or to eat? Yeah. But this has always been kind of one of the things when I was investigating opening a microbrewery was people always asked me, or you know, when I was looking for funding and fundraising, like, are you going to offer food? Um, at first, I was like, uh, hail to the no. From a, <laughs> from a capital investment standpoint, from a capital expenditure standpoint, the regulatory burden of building a kitchen that is capable of cooking and the subsequent health regulations that need to be you know, enforced and abided by to even have a kitchen would completely, would completely like be almost as much as just buying extremely expensive fermentation equipment. So this, to me, I don't know. Are they going to get into – this is the same state that had the same city that had a mayor that dictated how big drinks could be. Um, so it, it, you reap what you sow. <laughs> um, for those of you who live in this uh, utopia who think that your governor, Governor Cuomo, did so well during the lockdown, um, you suck. Yeah. And you reap what you sow. And I don't feel sorry for you. Um, I don't. I really don't. And you're sitting there – This. To sit there, well, the literal net of the internet is like trying to dissect his sentence when the underlying thing, the underlying issue is he is dictating to privately owned businesses who are abiding by random dictates that they held down, that they've passed down from on high, like the Ten Commandments, and you are now changing the rules. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it further, <laughs> is basically what he's saying. But it's it's just insane to me just the very fact that he can decide what's considered substantive food or not like he can decide that mozzarella sticks aren't food what yeah so the chips aren't food the wings ain't food the mozzarella ain't food but a sandwich is i mean but if you buy like let's say you buy a uh, an appetizer platter can you buy a beer then you should be able to or does it have to be a sandwich well here's the deal i mean here's the deal we're we're falling into the same trap, Cam. Like, <laughs> we're arguing semantics here. No, it's I'm just talking about how freaking <laughs> hilarious this is. I am. This but, is no. I, I mean, I understand, right? We are relatively geeky and uh, nerdy, and so yeah, um, we can go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure. Well, yeah, so like, wait a minute. So is it? So is the theory then that it must be a single item, or must it be a? A meal is it consistent that it must have more than one ingredient or more than two ingredients in the in the case of mozzarella sticks, right? <laughs> you know, is or, or does it have to be mozzarella sticks and chicken wings? You're right. So if you buy a platter, is that two? So hence, can you drink? No, 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 <laughs> no. That's uh, not the issue. <laughs> the, the, the reason to even say that is to point out the pure arbitrariness of what he's doing, because the the oh, yeah. point of it isn't that mozzarella sticks aren't food. The point is people have gotten around his dictates and he doesn't like it. So he goes, what can I do to make them do what I want to? Oh, I'm going to redefine food. A lot of these mayors and a lot of these governors are just power drunk on power right now. I mean, just drunk. I mean, just falling down sloppy. Get out of here. You've had enough. Go home. Drunk on power. And these arbitrary dictates, it's funny, it's 
really free markets and it's the agility of free markets and basically like entrepreneurs, which is why they're entrepreneurs to basically be like, okay, can't do this, but can we do this? Yeah. Right. They did the same thing here in New Mexico where they were just like, okay, well, we can't serve indoors. So uh, there's a local company by the name of Raider Awning. I, I don't even think they're a local company. I think they're just like a um, kind of a franchise. Their their sales went up and went through the roof because people were buying outdoor like t- um, uh, tables and, and covers and awnings yeah. to, so they could serve outside. Um, and, you know, <laughs> because you, indoor dining is not, you know, not happening. Now it's just, unfortunately, they, they picked a terrible time, right? Because... This is the time of the year where if you don't have monsoon thunderstorms that are like, you know, 60 mile an hour winds with thunder, hail and rain, or it's 150,000 degrees, you ain't eating outside. Yeah. I just love that people hear arbitrary ass rules. And instead of just being like, oh, I can't open. Oh, I can't serve you beer. They're like, here, let me let me sell you this piece of bread <laughs> and call it food. Roll. And if you don't eat it, they just give <laughs> you, it back to you get your you money back. Money. It's fantastic. Like that's that's like the that's like the the heart of like libertarianism and agorism is going, okay, so you say I can't do this, this is how I'm going to do it anyway. And correct being able to play in that line between legal and illegal, I love it. I love the innovation, the personal innovation. Counter economics, gray gray and black markets, man. I tell people this all the time, and people don't understand what agorism or agorism is. I'm just like, have you ever have you ever noticed during these lockdowns that you've done things like, I don't know, exchanged something with someone else for something else or get a haircut somewhere or get your nails done somewhere at someone's crib or get your hair braided on the stoop and go <laughs> on the corner or go to the, go up the street to the local guy who has chili bears, which is basically frozen, um, frozen Kool-Aid in the cup, but chili okay. bears in his freezer <laughs> um, and pay him 50 cents for a chili bear. Right. That's agorism. That's counter-economics. That is black market. Because do you think, do you think that money is reported? God, I hope on not. W four or whatever. No. <laughs> That's one of those things Absolutely. where, like, with with you know, I work with Ryan, and so he has his company set up and he pays me. Uh, but I've the whole time he's been paying me, I'm like, are you sure we have to tell the government that you're paying me? Because if if you didn't. Then I could, t- I'd be fine with laundering some money. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind hiding See, it. Yeah. This is why um, I agree with a leftist to a certain extent that like corporations are are are, are evil. Corporations are evil because they are a construct on a free enterprise system. Right. Um, well, yeah, partnerships. corporations yeah. in, in the way of multiple people coming together and having a, a business that they run together totally makes sense. But right. corporations as they stand right now are, compl- are made up by the government whole cloth. Correct. So it's not it's not spontaneous. Yeah, they're sitting in a filing cabinet at the secretary of state's office. Yeah, it's, it's not spontaneous. It's not natural. It's legitimately government created and so like that's why and also let's just talk about the word corporate for a second this is part of why i really push to get people to stop calling it the mainstream media is because when you hear the word corporate regardless of if you're a free market person and think that there could be natural corporations or whatever 
when you hear corporate as an adjective before something, you think of how lifeless and dull it is. Like think about corporate art or corporate buildings and architecture. How awful are those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's it's such a it's it's a great loaded word to use to your advantage. And like I've been spending a lot of time lately looking at different words and wondering whether or not they actually help me or if they hurt me. Like if if I'm having a conversation with someone and I use the word libertarian, does that put me at a disadvantage or an or an advantage? Should I use another word to bring them in? Yeah, absolutely. It depends on where you live. Out here in MAGA country, which is basically the there's the island of blue that is Albuquerque in Santa Fe, and then there's the rest of the state. Um, when you're talking to uh, people who are representatives of the GOP, or you're within organizations that are relatively free market or right leaning, you know, and you the Libertarian Party not only on a national level, not necessarily at our state level, has this very negative connotation then yes, you must use some other terminology. Yeah. Don't use anarchist for the love that all it is holy. <laughs> well, I've had this conversation with a few people. I have different words that I use in different situations. Yes. So like one of the problems, before I get to the different words, uh, one of my the problems is like people like my mom. When I say I'm a libertarian, the first thing she said, oh, you mean like the pro-choice, pro-prostitution party? And I'm like, well, if you phrase it like that, it doesn't sound great to most people, you know? Yes. And one of the problems with the word libertarian right now is that people think of the libertarian party. Yes, this, 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 is, this, is, this is very unfortunate. This is true. Not a shining example, which is why I understood the idea of the Mises caucus wanting to change the way that the libertarian parties perceived and use it for teaching libertarianism. I get the drive for that, but at the end, end of the day, I think that there's so much stigma on the Libertarian Party that it's hardly worth saving. Well, I slightly disagree, but I guess I understand the sentiment. Yeah. Particularly when an organization that has that moniker, the name, yeah, um, and all of the heritage that's, atta that's attached to it. The party itself is very, very hostile to mm -hmm. people who come from the right. It just is. Which is so that's, strange that's to me. Well, part of it is history, right? The purists understand the anatomy of the of the movement as from the levelers to the radicals in the you know on the left side of a parliamentary house or body to certainly nihilism against institutions like guilds and a overarching church and the pushers behind things that have inspired the Magna Carta and yada yada yada. But what they don't understand is liber the early liberalism, leftism, ultimately culminated in the terrors of France and yeah. the rise of Napoleon. Mm -hmm. So they, they can go too far. But they do understand that it's, it's about a constant push against institutions. Now, we, me and you look at the institution that is most adversely affected mankind as the state, as yeah. the domicidal uh, contagion that it is they look at it as not only the state but also social constructs and voluntary institutions that at any given time because the early puritans were kind of assholes well yeah at any given time we're we're turning against this this is this this is the thing right but what they don't understand is while 
I can understand from a um, from a historical standpoint what libertarianism at its roots came from. What the left has become and what it ultimately becomes over time is a destructive force. And you see it within the party. You see yeah. it within the fact that they're trying to kowtow. They've all, I've seen them in three election cycles kowtow to the left to no avail. And they keep doing it. They are, and they're openly hostile to anyone who would extend a hand. It's almost like the right tries to extend a hand and be like, you know, can we work together on these issues? And and it's typically you're much more radical. We They call them thick, left-leaning libertarian types. They just yeah. slap your hand away, right? Because they are, they want to be the pro-choice, pro-drug, pro-prostitution party, which I'm fine with. But understand, there are cultural, um, that type of cultural depravity while cool and all, bro, doesn't build civilizations, and civilizations ultimately fall to shred, fall to shambles when hedonism is allowed unabated by some moral underpinning. And that's what I sometimes gather. Maybe that's just me. When it comes to the Libertarian Party, when you say that prostitution should be legal, this should be a given to the fact that you think that the government has no place in private cooperation and voluntary transactions. That's where I stem it from. The The way you talk about it doesn't need to be, oh, hey, we love drugs. It's, oh, hey, the drug war has destroyed lives. We have to get away from this. This is the best way to do it. You just have to be able to frame it in the right way. And the Libertarian Party has not been the best at framing it, especially, I mean, I can't tell you how many jokes I've seen online about libertarians arguing against the age of consent laws i mean those are literally not hills to die on in the cultural context i don't know how many people who actually argue against that at all but i keep seeing it so and i've seen it once or twice and i'm like wow people maybe we shouldn't lead with this i know that a lot of people like shock and awe i love some good shock and awe but it has to be the right kind of shock and awe my point isn't that we should abandon the word libertarian because of the libertarian party and because they set the stage. My point is I don't believe that the party as it is being by nature, a statist organization, like you can't get past that. They want to take over the state. They want to control the state. Even if they make things smaller, it's a statist organization. But let's say you have a friend who's interested in Liberty. Okay. He is an ex Republican. Or he's a Republican yeah, now, and he's moving yeah. away. Yeah. Do you yes. want him to sit down and listen to people at the LP talk about libertarianism? Or do you want him to listen to you or me or Dave Smith, whoever? Whoever you, you, you decide is a good libertarian voice. Would you rather listen to the, him listen to them or to the LP and to go to the LP and I their planks? never, ever direct them toward the LP. And that's my point. Because the, the LP is actively hostile to messaging. Sarwark is right about one thing as the outgoing chair, that the mechanism of the party is not about education, even though, unfortunately, <clears throat> there are people who are actively on, uh, on, on the uh, Central Committee who believe this. These are your pragmatists. Yeah. And I understand you have to run a political party. But at the same time, you can't ignore the fact 
that people's journeys begin with Googling the word and ultimately, you know, what follows in that Google search is links to either local or national libertarian party platforms on the web. And you're right. We should change that. Like people should be reading up on articles about news that's happening or on culture things or whatever it is, techno technological news. And they should find a show or an article or a website that's written by a very smart libertarian and find that instead of the libertarian party where you can Google the highlights and see a naked man dancing or the yeah. regardless of the, the context of the, the chairman of the party uh, telling someone to eat a dick <laughs> like Which, I find that hilarious. <clears throat> that's maybe the funniest thing that Nick Starworks ever said. And so and so. Here's the problem with, well, not necessarily with your approach. What you were talking about is you, you veered into the C word, culture. Yeah. We're, we, it doesn't matter if, as a political party, we take over the apparatus of the state. Because it means nothing if the culture is rotten. Yeah. And if the culture has been inculcated, educated, or indoctrinated, that statism is this statism in its uh, on the right wing? It's it's worship of symbols of the state and um, and old military power. And on yeah, and on and on the left, it's worship of this cult of diversity and 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 wokeness. Yeah, um, being better than everybody else. Being better than everyone else, which is basically it's basically twenty first century progressivism. Yeah, I mean, let's just be blunt about this. Well, I mean, it's twenty, it's twentieth century progressivism too. I mean, that's all that. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, but they they but change that progressive to woke, and that is literally what it what it. It's just a well. There's thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Not even libertarianism, but it's it's yeah. It's a different ideology, but oh, I'm sorry. It's a different name for the same ideology, which I find is a branding problem with the liberty movement as a whole. And libertarianism in general um it's tough um there's some i appreciate people like maj Teray and eric Jalaz and, and 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 rough and tumble and larry sharp who are rough and tumble guys coming into the party because here's the deal like their outreach sucks they're turning people off and they need to come to the realization that most people come to libertarianism from the cultural and even and even uh, political right, they do. I'm sorry. Typically, yeah, I would say I, that. I'm, I'm sorry. You can't you can't deny it. <laughs> you, no, you can't deny it. It's it's just it's just the truth. People are leaving the Democrat Party who are good liberals, right? Who I have no problem with because it's crazy, and they're running to a party that is messaging the same BS that the Democrat Party is. Now, I'm not saying that we're that the one thing I'm kind of tippy-toeing around was the tweet um, that was heard around the world coming from the <laughs> presidential candidate from the on the Libertarian Party ticket, Joel Jorkinson. Are you anti-racist or are you just a regular racist? Um, so I'm pretty anti-racist. <laughs> um, I don't think I have to actively be anti-racist. I think... Um, I prove that I'm actively anti-racist by my interracial children. Um, so I think um, I don't need. I, I, so ultimately, I, I 
I get the I get the language, but what I don't understand is there is a toxicity associated with the term or the use the phrase must be anti-racist. Oh yeah. There's a problem with that. Also, Black Lives Matter is a terrible organization. Yeah. I don't care what you say. The sentiment, I barely even agree with the sentiment <laughs> div- uh, uh, divorced from Black Lives Matter trademark in- or incorporated trademark. It's trademark. Whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. So, to me, I think it's just another example of what uh, me and my friends used to joke about when it comes to when gangster rappers went Hollywood is they pimp the hood. To get what they need and, you know, money, prestige, clout. Well, and it's it's her immediate response after that was like there's a, a video clip of her from 1996 making some great points about race, racism, etc. Racial quotas. But in this moment with with a tweet, I don't believe she wrote. She had to clarify. And um, when she clarified, she was like, well, you know, there are the people who. It's, it's not about the the group or the movement. It's about the movement of people that are not the Marxists. And it's like, yeah, sure, you can clarify that all you want to. But go to your phone. Say, okay, Google, or hey, Siri, talk to Alexa. And if you ask Alexa, do Black Lives Matter, she will tell you, yes, absolutely Black Lives Matter. She will say it without hesitation. Alexa will actually give you a little bit of a uh, uh, a slightly more quote-unquote nuanced view, which is, uh, of course, all lives matter. However, and then they'll direct you to blacklivesmatter.com. Siri does the same thing. Uh, Google sends you to blacklivesmatter.com. With Alexa, of course, you can, if you ask her if all lives matter, and she says, however, you know, you ignore whatever comes before but or however in any given political statement. Right. And then, of course, that takes you down the rabbit hole of, you know, vote blue and, you know, Democrat. Right. Giving to giving to a Democrat basically money back. Right. Yeah. So you go to blacklivesmatter.com. It is the Marxist organization. They do tell you everything they believe. And then they, they are like, hey, donate to the Black Lives Matter movement. Black lives deserve your help. Donate to them. And then they send it to Act Blue, which sends the money to Democrats. How patronizing is that? <laughs> By tweeting this, Joe Jorgensen gave free advertising to send donations to the Democratic Party. Why? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a, yeah, that's that's fascinating. I have not I've not heard it put that way, but in a roundabout way, you know, via six degrees of Kevin Bacon, yes, within two or three clicks. You're donating to Act Blue, yeah, a Democrat front, yeah, which is antithetical to the Libertarian Party, <laughs> and you should not right. be trying to direct people toward a movement which directs toward a pack which directs toward you, the political party you wish to defeat. Right. <laughs> hmm. On goal. Even though there's a good point to not saying Black Lives Matter because of the Marxist organization, or not saying that you need to be actively anti-racist because of the ambiguity of that statement, for one, and the potential uh, dehumanization of people who think differently than you, aka racists. Good points all around, right? But at the end of the day, the practical outcome of Joe Jorgensen doing hashtag 
Black Lives Matter can absolutely lead someone to giving money to the Democrats. It's amazing. Yeah. It's such a it's such a <laughs> self own, and I it 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 it's, this is generally just the problem, right? Again, they've for as many elections as I've been semi active in Libertarian Party politics, it is always this trap they fall into to cater to leftists, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe the party apparatus has been kind of co-opted by a leftist ideology or at least in a leftist worldview now taking into account that ultimately this this is the this is the anatomy of what the movement started out as it makes me wonder they're actively hostile to people who come from their right all the time um and you know with good reason they've been burnt sometimes um but it it's just that which does not actively practice its ideology or practice being libertarian. I will, I, will, I will replace conservative with libertarian. So an institution that does not actively practice libertarianism ultimately becomes leftist. And this is yeah. true of conservatism. This is true of, um, you know, if, I mean, you know, even dictatorial fascism. If the institution... Churches, schools, universities, companies do not actively practice their core mission, what makes their institution the institution. It will fall prey to the, uh, a very the relativist, the very nihilist, and the much more um, cavalier philosophies of leftism. Um, environmentalism yeah. is the same thing, right? If atheists... It's funny, atheists are, particularly in libertarian atheists, are virulent about hating the church. But they're just as evangelical as people who were at one time in the church. And it's almost like there's a power vacuum, there's an ideological power vacuum when you don't actively ground yourself in something. This is why I like people like Maj Ray and Eric July and Tom Woods and... Um, Larry Sharp and um, you know Dave Smith bring bringing up the cultural issue, the cultural yeah. issues, particularly you know from the blacks community, right? Like people like to talk about their origin stories about what brought them to libertarianism, and I to a certain extent identity led me here, right? Like I, I, you know what made me much more comfortable with saying the L word out loud was i knew people who were libertarians who weren't lesbians what's that lesbians is that the l word no no no, not lesbertarian libertarian (laughs) um no but no but the but they were they were people who were of faith they were people who you know cared about babies they were people who you know were why they were somewhat hostile to the constitution they didn't like shit on it openly (laughs) Um, they believed in God. Um, they believed in, um, a a watchman nation state to a certain extent, even if some of them ultimately wanted to abolish it. And there are respectable members of academia and society, not crazy, evil atheists 
that embrace a very thick libertarianism that likes to stuff all the isms that they love into libertarianism. And so to me, this is why I, this is what I appreciate about, you know, Ron Paul to a certain extent. Ron Paul was a true old school pre-World War II conservative. Truly non-interventionist. Yeah. Um, and so, but they don't like that. And so they bring up the fact that he, he might have brought some problematic elements to the party in the early 80s. Okay. <laughs> that still doesn't mean that the man hasn't been actively um, from the right preaching the message of liberty. For, you know, a religious man, a pro-life man, a, a man that doesn't want intervention, a man who understood that open borders are great, but at the end of the day, a nation state must, you know, be a nation state. And, you know, it's but these are these are things that, that are that are like fingernails on the chalkboard when you talk to your rank and file libertarians who are in power um, in the party. People who are not in power in the party have a tendency to be very right leaning in all some of their thinking or a lot of their thinking. They still have radical views about, you know, prostitutes, pot and whatever. <laughs> but um Generally speaking, these these folks are uh, they they they. It's almost like they're ignoring their base. That's what yeah. it feels like to me. There, yeah, there is a lot of ignoring because, like, if we're going to look at society and government and politics as a whole, across the board, it's a sliding scale to the left. Like conservatism, even though they're like. There are different parts of conservatism through the years that are very good, but they're very good because that's where they were at the time. And there are always some holdouts, but conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit, as Michael Malice says. Hoorah. Take a look at what, what would the conservative Marco Rubio say about Social Security right now, as compared to during World War II, during... FDR's reign, the conservatives who would respond to that in yeah, full. Right. Basically, they uh, stood athwart history and said, slow down, as opposed to stop. Yeah. Um, right. and, <laughs> and so, yeah, I always ask that question. And the thing that definitely made me not rep the moniker of conservative was I listened to a, an episode of Tom Woods where he brought on a. Um, former neoconservative outcast and he asked a very poignant question and brings up a very poignant question what the hell is conservatism conserved well not to mention as uh minchus moldbug uh curtis yarvin said conservatism is in its nature a reaction a movement based out of reaction it is telling people to stop or slow down it you, to be on the right is simply to be against the left now so it's not it's it's not like a full-on like if you said the word conservative to the founding fathers the conservatives would be the ones who wanted a king correct they would be the tory anarch they'd be the tory anarchists right they'd be like the well, well you know maybe we can negotiate with the king and stuff like that right but that's the thing conservatism is always a sliding scale like look yeah. at uh what eight years ago 12 years ago, how many people were like, no, gay marriage can't be legal. Gay marriage is wrong. Obama campaigned on 
one man, one woman marriage, traditional marriage. But at the end of the day, the National Review will put out a an article a couple years later when it's in vogue to say, oh, the conservative case for gay marriage. Yeah, we're like because a decade right now early, they need the gays. Earlier, they were calling them sodomites, right? I mean, it right. was <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I and here's the deal: I don't mind conservatism being on that sliding scale toward liberty. However, as you kind of alluded to, it's the sliding scale toward leftism, which I yep. equate with nihilism. And 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 that's the thing when. But if you look at conservatism, the yeah, the question what has conservatism conserved is a good question. But at the same time, ask a conservative what conservative principles are, and they'll they'll look you blank, they'll give you a blank look. Some people will write an article about what they are, but almost I, I read an article, I forget who wrote it, and it was this guy oh wait, no, it was a tweet thread, and the guy was like, These are the principles of conservatism, and he listed off a bunch of things, but almost zero of them were actually principles at all right they were probably policy positions or something stupid like that or or just responses to the left because if you're always in a place of defense rather than offense if you're Correct. in a place of yes you you <laughs> yes. don't have principles you just have oh no we can't do that how many people who call themselves conservatives who are under the age of 30 have ever read russell kirk's uh, there were, I think there were 10, um, basically, principles of conservatism. Or even know who the hell Russell Kirk is. Right. And, and, and you know, and that's that's the thing that I, I feel that, um, just to kind of beat on the libertarians here, uh, libertarian party as a, in particular here, is I don't think most of those people understand where their roots came from. And right. I don't think, um, particularly... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of us who are you know, let's just operate under the under the dichotomy that we exist in today. Let's operate under the two vectors that we um, that we are under operate under today. Even right leaning kind of libertarians need to recognize um, the roots of 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 the philosophy. Um, yeah. and so I think though, as an institution, and I think libertarians sometimes suffer from this too, even if they've had some cultural wins, um, is they don't actively defend the faith. They right. don't, um, I think, I don't know if it was Larry Sharp who said this, but like, why is the left in such lockstep, right? Because they right. defend their fringes. And libertarians do a terrible job of defending their fringes. They're actively running people out of the party who ultimately turn rea more reactionary and ultimately become alt-right. Well, now there's an alt there, – there's a – last time it was um, libertarianism to alt-right pipeline. Pipeline, correct. What I'm looking at now is it seems more like a libertarianism to far-left pipeline. Yes, because there's no grounding principle in the party. Um that it's it's this mesh of we're a little bit of both in which i'm just like you yes you adopt policy positions from both parties that each brace a certain ideological part of the spectrum but it's very we, we need to understand that we need to put a much preach a message message that is very unique in the sense 
like I think Maj Ture has had the best. If you watch that interview with, um, you know, by the time this probably comes out, it's been it'll be a week or so. But if you watch that interview he did with Matt Kibbe, the brother's just spitting hot, spitting hot fire. And like the person who turned me more on to what, not more on, but turned me on to <laughs> what actual white supremacy was was Eric July. You know, this young fella saying like white supremacy without the state is just bad ideas. It's just racism. Yeah. Racism without the power of the state is just racism. Racism with the power of the state, okay, that's a little bit of white supremacy. Well, and here's the deal. We're using it in the context of American history, right? It's supremacy in a lot of places around the world, right? Um, I've had the I've had the fortune of talking to people who are in my family from other countries who see what it what it what a society deteriorates into when identity politics mold political parties and when those political parties obtain ultimate power and what bloodletting and murder and civil unrest turns into. And I I don't think they, they understand that, but to beat up back to the libertarians and to beat up on them some more here. (laughs) I, I, I say this, it's not that I don't. Under, it's not that I. I don't get the fact that they want to be a very inclusive party, but um, we got to learn to embrace some of our fringes. If you got a Ray coming to the party, if you have Comic Dave Smith coming to the party, or Tom Woods who has an actual body of work, you have Pete Quinones, if you have your Jason Stapletons, if you have your your um, you, you know you know if you even have to a certain extent. And, you know, I'll, I'll I'll say something even grosser. If you even have your Dave Rubens of the world, or your Tim Pools, you must understand that that is a big tent. And here's the deal. Most of those people I've just discussed, with the exception of maybe two or three, came from the right. Yeah. That's where your intellectual firepower has, has, has morphed into. And here's the deal. They always ignore Murray Rothbard's flirting with the left. Murray Rothbard learned very early. Decatur to the left left is a waste of time. He he learned, luckily, eventually, that political action was wholly unworth it. Because right. you know, he, he, but, he helped found the Libertarian Party and then was very happy when he left. He yeah. he went he got behind who was it who, who was it that he went behind that everyone hated him for? Was it Strom Thurmond or was that someone? No, he, else? I think he I think he made I think he made like a um he he made he didn't thoroughly condemned david duke i think enough right well and and there yeah and then there was like there were people on the left who were anti-war and he he went after them and and tried to well yeah he yeah he he he, he, he partnered with them if you it's like this betrayal of the american right while there's some revisionist history in it is a very great memoir into how the right wing became neo-conservative and how how much of a detriment that was to the right and also how his forays into, well, let's deal with the left and let's embrace the Howard Zinn history of how the world is and the America's this evil imperialist, whatever. And you realize that those people were also crazy. And then his, his final sin was he, he was, he was close to Buchanan. Right. That he embraced populism toward the end of his life. Yeah. But there were a lot of things he did in the political sphere that I feel like we need to learn from. Or at least I know that I need to learn from. And it's not I, – I would say the, the lesson is that it doesn't work and it just makes you 
someone no one likes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, the, the, for the body of work of it's like this: the people who are ignored by you know these kind of thick libertarians are always the Hoppas and Rothbards. Yeah, um, they even to they. I mean, you know, they they ignore Norzik, they ignore uh, Spooner to a certain extent. Um, they even you know they they even don't kind of like Mises a little bit, and and it's just like, dude, these that's your intellectual firepower. Um, well, and let me ask you a question. If you pay attention to the left, progressivism, all the stuff we're dealing with right now, would you agree that the statement with the statement that these people want you dead, but they'd settle for your submission? Yes. I don't, I don't understand why that I don't understand why that's so goddamn hard. And how many and how many libertarians were genuflecting on the Internet about like, oh, my God, there are federal troops snatching up people in Portland and stuff like that. Eric July had the best response. It's like, I don't give a fuck about them. They're leftists. You wanted the state, you got the state. I mean, you know, kind of like, um, it's it's funny, in, in Rothbard's more populist, actually right-leaning final days, unleash the cops, right? Because here's the deal. If if it were a bunch of Tea Party protesters out there getting, if Boogalooers out there getting getting busy... I'd buy a plane going ticket. Going after cops, going after whatever. They would They would be saying, where the hell's the National Guard? These guys are violent. They're crazy. This yep. is, this is, the double standard is, is, is partially stupid. It's not, it's, so why should I care? I mean, I should care from a philosophical standpoint, like, yeah, you know, it's kind of fascistic. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, not to put on my MAGA hat, but it's just like, fuck them. Because if it was the other way around, like, motherfuckers wouldn't give a shit. Well, and it's like, yeah, philosophically, when it comes to the state, I will never stand up for the state and state actors doing things that, like, I don't know the full story of what's going on. I don't like the way, I don't like, yeah, I don't really like the way it's really going down, to be honest. I've only heard hearsay. Yeah, see, here's the deal, right? And that's the thing, right? We don't know, right? Because we don't, we don't know how exaggerated this is. Now, through the grapevine, I've heard that, like, one of the person who was the most, there was only video of one person getting him done. That person was held for... A couple of hours and then released. So that so like so ultimately we don't know what that was all about. And yet people are going, where are the libertarians? Libertarians right here. Yeah, we're telling you like, yeah, man, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. But we don't care for you guys because you guys suck. If it was a group of people like us, I'd buy a plane ticket. I'd get some ammo. I'd help. But I'm not gonna buy a plane ticket and ammo for leftists. Yeah, this is why would the, I this, do that? And this is and this is what kind of gets a lot of kind of your thick libertarians very upset about it. And it's just like, no, no, we we here's the deal. We can do we want them to the, win? Yeah, we it's like this. We can condemn the actions of the state, but we can also chewing gum and you know walking at the same time. We can also say we don't give a fuck about these leftists. I don't. Right. It's like if I saw a fight between Nazis and communists going on in front of me. Am I going to get my happy ass in there and decide which one I think is better? Correct. No. No, I'm not. Have to. Why would I, I do that? Yeah, I shouldn't have to. The point of the question is, in with the Libertarian Party, when you bring in people of that persuasion, do they think that immediately and magically that thought process goes away? That these people don't want to get rid of those on the cultural right? Because it takes active engagement with your um your biases to truly come to the point that i am i still have um status tendencies 
You know, I still I see riots and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Send the cops in the crack heads. But I understand that that ultimately is kind of a what the anarchists want, the bad anarchists want. And, and, <laughs> and, and two, like that, that's a slippery fucking slope. Well, and this is why Tom Woods, Ron Paul, Dave Smith, hopefully us someday are important because uh, Jessica Green was the last uh, person I don't wait. No, Gary was the last person I talked to. But last episode I released as of this recording is an ex-leftist, ex-SJW, ex-atheist. Nick Pacone, the episode before her, former leftist. Both of them found their way to Tom Woods' body of work and are now lockstep with me in many ways. Maybe a little bit more environmentalist than I am because I think that the market will take care of that, so I don't think about it too much. Yeah, <laughs> but. That's why people like Tom Woods are important. And the good news is Tom Woods wasn't in the LP when these people found him. Yes. He wasn't doing this little game that they're playing with the LP right now that I think is ultimately a waste of time. I respect Dave Smith and Tom Woods and Eric July a lot, but I ain't about to join the LP and try to fix it from the inside because... You eat, first you have to fix the LP from the inside, then you have to magically get them into office and then fix the country from the inside. And I'm just like, here's the yeah. problem. The left has absolutely captured academia, the state, and culture, and the, the, the corporate media as well. They have all of these things under their thumb. There is indoctrination from the time kids are four years old, and even before if their parents are horrible leftist statists. But they have control over the thoughts of millions of people. And so although the LP has its place, because sometimes people will be like, oh, I don't want Donald Trump. I don't want Hillary Clinton. What's this other party, the Libertarian Party? Let me look into libertarianism. A lot of people do that. I've known several who've, decided, who've heard that and then decided to look into libertarianism and look into Tom Woods or Dr. Paul or any of these people, but then there are the other ones who are like, let Gary debate, let Gary debate. Gary doesn't get to debate. Oh, well, who am I going to vote for this next time? The Republican or the Democrat? Yeah. And there's great resources out there, right? But Why I the mean, fuck would I waste my time when, when the point that we need to be making in the, the, our agenda, which we should have an agenda, would be to capture listeners, readers, etc. by Talking about the news. Yeah. Taking it apart. Yeah, from a liberty perspective. Yep. Pick it apart. Apply our first principles. Looking at tech news. Yeah. Yeah, like I do tech news, right? Yeah. Right. Look at music. Look at, like, you. we have to, f or movies, whatever. We have to find a way to get into these places where the heaviest indoctrination happens in this country. And until we do that, and until we start showing people that there's another way... Every four years, the Libertarian Party is going to get between 1% and 4% of the vote. Well, allow me as a card-carrying member of the party to defend at least the infiltration of the party, or at the very least the um, engaging with the party to engage in the political process. Now, you said, like I said, that most people who kind of find their way to libertarianism eventually find their way to the Libertarian Party, be it their local, state, you know, or, you know, the national level. What we need and what I, why I kind of support the Mises caucus to a certain extent is we need a party that is a little bit more principled. 
that is in the business of education. Now, I understand that previous leadership, again, has never wanted this to be the case. They wanted it to be a political party. And there's 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 like legal reasons why that is and stuff like that. And, you know, you ultimately want to participate in the political process. And you do want to give people a relief valve or a choice. But at the same time, they, it needs to not be a very muddled message, right? And you don't need to send people away. People are not red-pilled on, you know, the rights of sex, sex workers. They're not necessarily red-pilled on the fact that, like, borders are arbitrary and that, you know, voluntary interactions need not, you know, be confined to uh, territories that for which a institution has a monopoly over the use of violence. Right. See that even that language is not going to get the normies in there. It needs to be a party of some principles and it needs to have some front people some front men and women out there really preaching the message. And um, yeah, I think the party does a, a, a disservice sometimes to people who it reaches out to. I think it does a disservice to libertarianism. Well, it defines it incorrectly constantly. I think the leadership as it exists today feels that's not its role. And um, and this is why I, I, I kind of wanted like Joshua Smith, who kind of wants to do education and focus on building ben the bench, i.e. really going at the local level and stuff, because that's where we're going to build the bench for candidates that ultimately in, in – 15, 20, 30 years are ascending to some sort of some form of federal office or the very least to be a party that at least has inroads with the culture. When people who are in these subcultures, music and comedy and et cetera, actually have a place within a political party, right? Because that's we're stuck with them. I know George Washington warned us against it, but we're stuck with them. They're within the context of a political party. Political party can be the ultimately the um, the propaganda arm of a cultural revolution that you're right. We need to kind of foster. And I think that one of the greatest lies of the left that has gone through so many people that I know is the phrase "the personal is political." What a line of bullshit! And it's a very and it's a very dangerous and slippery slope. And that's the thing. Like, yes, the Libertarian Party may have a place. It may have a, a place. I would say it has to be one of a strong message and teaching. If we want people to learn, if we want people to change. If we want people yeah. to actually see what it is and know, okay, so this is what I'm getting into, not just not Hillary. Correct. You know, not just not Trump. And you hope, right? You hope there's retention, but there's never, there's never any retention after these, these, these polarizing no. elections, which is kind of disappointing. And that, at the end of the day, when I started my journey to libertarianism, it started with Ron Paul, but I did not touch the Libertarian Party outside of like taking Gary Johnson on the first time I voted for, not the first time I voted, the second time I voted, hitting his name. I never looked into the dude. I never joined the LP. I joined the LP in 2016 for like two months and then just let it lapse as soon as I could, which was a year. But still, I didn't touch it because I was like, wow, these people suck. This thing sucks. This thing doesn't resemble remotely a good message. It's just, oh, well, there's a third choice. Yeah, it's usually, and that's usually what it is, right? It's usually people who are 
somewhat politically homeless at the time who just want to kind of do a protest vote. And so they typically just go out and vote for green or libertarian. You're truly, you're truly kind of, I wouldn't call them proto-fascist, I guess, but you're very traditionalist. Well, maybe vote Constitution Party. I, I thought about it at one point just because I liked the name back yeah, when I was yeah. still a... Constitutionalist? Yeah, I'd say that, but I need to make up an, an insulting term for that. Insulting term for that? I mean, look here, man. <laughs> I, I still rep the, I still rep the, I Not only do I still rep the moniker of being a libertarian, not only do I sometimes, when I'm in GOP circles, say that, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm still pretty conservative. But it is, you know, and I, I like, you know, saying, yeah, I'm a constitutionalist, right? I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a minarchist, right? I like a little bit of cancer, not a lot. <laughs> I'm an unterrified Jeffersonian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. I don't know. I used to, I used to say Rothbardian minarchist. I used to throw all kinds of words together. <laughs> well, no, that's what Benjamin Tucker, one of the earliest, more right anarchists, called himself an un, an unterrified Jeffersonian because Jefferson was a an anarchist at heart, but afraid of the consequences. Yeah, then I, I guess you're right. I, I mean, I guess I can be a terrified Jeffersonian, right? Or that would just be a Jeffersonian, unterrified Jeffersonian, unterrified unterrified Jeffersonian. Damn, ugh, mental, ugh, tongue twister. Um, yeah, no, because I, I I get it. I mean, the guy was the guy was great. Um, he did some terrible things, but I mean, all presidents do. All the presidents suck, right? And I think we. I think oh, we yeah. all, I think we all kind of know that. And and that's the thing. Like I, I had a conversation with um, a guy on another show and we had the conversation about how he was like, well, you know, why don't you join me in political action and we can get good people in office and we can find enough people to get us back to a constitutional type government. And I'm like, that's just yeah. as idealistic as people who actually believe in a utopian in Kapistan. Yes. It's exactly. not going to happen. Do you really think we're going to roll back the state to the constitution is ratified? What? It ignores the cultural context that we live in. I mean, it just ignores it. Everyone wants, you know, like I, you know, I, 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 I typically appear on uh, other podcasts because I whore myself out like that. Um, and one of the hosts was very, just, just, burn it all down and like people need guns and blah 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 and just like bro so first of all like um no one's gonna do that second of all i've been to places that are war torn that have kind of where people were at their last on their last the straw broke the candles back and they start pulling out guns machetes and it, it, it you don't like the way it devolves and those who want to see the whole thing burn down your collapsitarian types just like let it burn like which is cool you know, I'm when I want to shit post, when I want to <laughs> shit post, but like what the day after collapse, what the fuck do you think happens when you don't have a culture that is um, rooted in any sort of faith that is rooted in any sort of compassion for the fellow mankind? Because we basically demonized ourselves to the point uh, of like basically wanting to murder each other online. But it's funny, we get in the streets and we don't necessarily like talk a lot of shit. Right. You don't want this and you don't understand what you're asking for um, because the culture is pretty poisoned. That was my point. If we're going to be realistic about what can happen to make us freer as a people, it has to be through the lens of secession, through an amicable divorce. That is the most realistic expectation that we can have. 
when it comes to being more free. Because I'm, and I'm not saying that's even super realistic. I'm saying, I told him, you know, if we even want to get to that point, we have at best between 30 and 50 years where we have to counter the programming. We have yes. to start by countering the indoctrination. And it's yeah, yeah. If, if you're a political person, if you want to use politics, that's your thing. You go for it. I'm going to shame and mock the system. I'm also going to teach people and live out, hopefully, a better way that can inspire others to do the same. But if yeah. we don't capture the zeitgeist in some way, it's a losing battle in the political realm. Yeah, this is true. I mean, this is why culture matters. It absolutely does. And like I was saying, you know, the only bit above, I don't know, I guess slight pushback I would have on it is just, I was all about, I'm still really all about the 10th Amendment. I'm all about subsidiarity. I'm all like devolution of power down to the lowest possible level. But if this COVID-19 foolishness, and this kind of goes back to culture, is any indication, tyranny can be at the lowest level. I mean, the only right. upside to the tyranny at the lowest level is I can walk up to a city councilman and like, yo, what the fuck is up with this? That's the only positive to having that. It's like the only positive to having a king is that you can rush him and cut off his head and he's gone. That's what the what the Hoppian position is, that why monarchy is better than democracy is because you're not fighting everybody. You're fighting one guy, which is very con it's a very controversial statement. But honestly, I can see why. It would be, if you're being intellectually honest, where it would make some sense. It's not my thing. It's not my cup of tea. But, right. But I'm, I'm definitely, but I'm, but I'm definitely on, on, on board with you know, the God that has failed. It has been democracy. It hasn't been God. Right. But the, my point isn't that I even think that we can decentralize to even the cities. I'm saying that the most realistic hope that we have is a going from one to two, letting the leftists have their playground and us having ours. Yeah. And when I say us, I don't, I'm not saying I'm a conservative. I'm just saying the freedom loving versus the communist loving. Right. That's the and closest but, thing I see as being possible. But they would argue that they're freedom loving as well. They just, well, they're just full of shit. <laughs> they love a certain amount of hedonism that um, they feel is liberating culturally. Um, but if one if one doesn't co-sign that cultural laissez-faireness, then yeah, they're going to line you up against a wall and shoot you. Well, and it's it's about well, if you look at progressivism, it stems from the social gospel. It stems from the Puritans. A how do you know if a Puritan is unhappy? Someone somewhere else is having fun. <laughs> and so it stems from that ideological center. And it, it, it stems from Woodrow Wilson believing that he was a messiah figure, just like uh, Hillary Clinton did, just like they made out Barack Obama to be. Yeah. Yeah. The left, the left, because, yeah, because the left is so godless, they do have a tendency to create demigods. But they they truly believe that they can save the world of its sins. And that is the end point. And, you know, like I said, and there's and here's where conservatisms have conservatives have that right. Vision of the Anointed, which is probably one of the greatest one of really three of Thomas Sowell's greatest books, breaks this down. I forgot the, the, the context for people who are um, 
who believe that like there needs to be guardrails on the road for cars or for people to travel and those who believe that they can change the nature of the traveler but put no guardrails on the road right he puts it in certain contexts what's it like the probably the best argument for conservatism is uh when a conservative sees a fence he doesn't just tear it down he asks why it was put up in the first place yeah that's that's basically my that's basically my my philosophy um when it comes to things like that it doesn't mean that i'm like it doesn't mean i'm just gonna sit there and like say that the fence doesn't need to be torn down right but i'm just gonna be like you just want to understand why it's there yeah yeah let's 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 kind of understand why it's there it's kind of like when you write when you're refactoring code right you can take your new fandangled techniques for how you do something and you could be like i'm just gonna rewrite this and redo or you could be like well wait a minute there was probably a reason why i wrote it this way and let's understand before i rip out the guts of the code and break you know and recommit something that's broken let's figure out what's going on here yeah and so uh what is it da, 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 da. see i'm see i'm gonna keep looking into it um prevailing <laughs> anointed blah 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 it doesn't break it down and that's i i made the mistake oh there we go the constrained versus the unconstrained vision of man yes yes um and um where he he he, he kind of wrote that in conflict of visions but he really nails it in the vision of the anointed and, and so here's the deal that's who brought me to libertarianism the, like the path i've told this story very often was rush limbaugh to guest host walter williams to guest Thomas Sowell, to the Manhattan Institute, the Cato Institute, Reason, and then it goes on from there. So, you know, people who shit on, like, you know, Rush Limbaugh, you can shit on me all you want, man, but, you know, you have all this, this dopeness. You have all this greatness. You have me spitting hot fire because that's who turned me on this stuff. Um, yeah. And Thomas Sowell is the greatest political columnist and probably one of our brightest economists ever even if he's not a libertarian yeah i think i think most people claim him though I, I, yeah a, a lot of libertarians do claim him like i was even reading something in um like uh mises where like they were trying to asking economists who were the best economists and i think yeah thomas Sowell showed up a couple times and stuff like that and that's the thing too like they even shit on like the mises caucus right it's just like or or not the mises caucus because the mises caucus is not connected to the mises institute so they shit on the mises <laughs> institute and i'm just like Okay, so they had a couple guys that wrote for him that were kind of, kind of assholes. So what? The body of work that it, from the Mises Institute, and the fact that I found a home in that. And actually, I wrote an article a long time ago, I think, or maybe it, it was just a post. I think it was a post that I wrote a long time ago about the the the, the three spheres of libertarianism, right, and the mm -hmm. power centers of libertarianism, the East Coast elite libertarians, that is the Cato, Manhattan Institute types. Then you have your, and then you have your Mises types who are much more culturally conservative because they're literally in the South. And then you have your left coast libertarians who are just your reasons and your, you know, um, Claire, uh, I don't think the Claremont, oh no, is the Claremont Institute? Yeah, your Hoover Institute folks or whatever, or stuff like that. You have your very left coast, you know, right wingers, right? Your Strassians is what they called, but I don't, I don't get into those types of. I don't like throwing any man's name in front of my ideology. Except for Jesus, yeah, that yeah, that's what that yeah yeah, like Misesian, Hoppian, or Rothbardian. Yeah. Like, nah, nah, bro, you're just 
you just enact light of Rothbard, right? You are a reader <laughs> in, 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 of Hoppe. You are a reader of Mises. You are a reader of Hayek, right? But um, but no, but the, but there there are these three centers, right? And each is 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 shaped by its environment. Um, there's the pragmatists are typically always going to be your Cato's and your AEIs and your um, you know. Your your institution your 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 institutional libertarians who are going to you know they're in the belly of the beast and you know they see how the sausage is made and they want to make pragmatic you know, you know pragmatic sausage yeah the worst yeah, pragmatic kind. sausage <laughs> um you know your your Mises types are are, are are slightly more radical but they're very culturally conservative to the point of you know you know they 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 even embrace people who are like monarchists and then your left coast libertarians are kind of like your Kind of like libertarians who are out here, man. Just they're just they're just hippies that like guns and weed, man, and, and wants the state <laughs> to leave them alone. They want open borders because they like you know your left coast libertarians want you know, open borders because they like the fact that they can get like exotic food yeah. and get tacos, you know, and they and they live amongst those people and they have seen their plight over the last fifty sixty years, and so they are are naturally bleeding hearts toward that because yeah, you know, you live out here and it's like this and immigrants who come here are self-selecting. They're typically the best of their country. Even if they're the best rapists and killers, they're the best of their country. <laughs> they get here because do you understand that 80% to 85% of the population in the world lives within 200 miles of where they were born? Very few of us leave that 200 mile radius. Very yep. few. There's that there's that argument you can make for, for for open borders, but at the same time, you don't understand the cultural, and this is where they ignore it. The from a policy standpoint, I understand. A cultural standpoint is th- that has unintended consequences. It is literally cultural gentrification. The thing that the you know, it's funny the thing they embrace the most, or particularly le- leftists hate gentrification, right? But they. But they don't understand that, like, you know, they hate gentrification because corporatism. But they don't understand cultural gentrification because, like, well, no, it's just it's diversity is our strength and stuff like that. And there's people who've written many scholarly articles debunking diversity being truly a strengthening thing if there's no underlying institutions. Yeah. And, and these people just, they ignore these cultural aspects to their peril. And they just, you know, embrace Things that 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 don't sound mean, and, and they don't understand the un- the ultimate cultural implications of what they're creating. They're creating reactionary movements. Both the left and the right, Antifa and the Boogaloo Boys or the Proud Boys are reactionary movements to embracing this cultural rot. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy the cultural rot. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, girls are much more, you know, willing to get butt naked on Twitter or Instagram and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, that's cool, but understand that there are long term that has negative consequences. Dude, so. when I found out that OnlyFans wasn't a sports website, <laughs> well, well, Dave Smith has an OnlyFans account. I'm not, I don't think he's sending out <laughs> dick pics or anything, but I'm just, but I'm just saying. But yeah, you're right, right? You you find out that like, for instance, like they they'll I think Twitter just did a mass ban of QAnon, right? Which is these. Have you ever met any of these QAnon people in person? Uh, no. Well, I I know people who were not Q people and then turned into Q people. Yeah. 
fucking nuts. Um, but I mean, absolutely, I, under, I yeah. understand and respect their skepticism. Speaking of the nuts, Q people, they okay. say all the time, trust the plan. Trump is working for this to save the children. The children will be saved. Oh, right, right, right. right because the pedophile. You hear this a lot, right? Yeah. Right, right. And then the other day, Donald Trump says that he wished Jelaine Maxwell well. Yeah, that was that was odd. That's all I can say about that. That's all I really have to say about that. That was odd. All I'm saying is that I'm if I'm to trust the plan. If I'm to trust that Donald Trump is secretly working to take down all child sex traffickers, all the all the pedophile government, yeah, the pedophile gov- the, the pedophile deep state, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, I'm a little turned off by him saying any sort of kind words to a known groomer of children who procured children for grown men to sleep with. She was the pimp and the madam. Yeah, that's what I don't get. I mean, like, first of wh- all, why, why am I going to trust tr- Q's judgment when I hear that coming out of Trump's mouth? Right. Why? Yeah, it's a fun, yeah. Why? Uh, because, because Trump, stop making me defend Trump. I don't think he even knows what the fuck he says half the time. I think he just kind of talks off. Well, that's not, and, that's not even defending. I think he's just genuinely a moron sometimes. Yeah, no, no, he's, no, he's, he's, he's not the brightest. Thank God he has a pretty competent administration now but jesus christ <laughs> it won't last it yeah won't yeah last. well yeah kaylee mcenany she gets the d right oh oh most definitely i mean here's the deal and here's i and actually i made this uh i made this statement on previous and other podcasts and stuff like that um that are unfortunately not only mlga network which we will change but the right does produce the hotties I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Half the reason everyone through the early 2000s and, you know, into like, you know, the early, like the mid-Obama era, half the reason you watch Fox News is because there's hotties all over Fox News. Well, let's, let, let me say something. I would like to stick a gag in Tommy Lauren's mouth. Well, she, did she actually still show up on Fox News? Uh, she's not on Fox News, but I'm, I'm just saying she, she is a terrible person to listen to but i'll be damned if she's not good yeah looking. i rem- no no she's i mean <laughs> here's the deal right so i'm a i'm a big I, i'm a big believer in the blaze i like the blaze i like limbeck i like limbeck as a guy i like the fact that he's bring he's over the years he's brought on a lot of libertarian voices from john stossel to to Gillette to the worst thing about glenn beck is his love affair with david barton who is b- b- besides howard zinn is the worst historian in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I don't you know, I don't I look I listen to all sides of history and stuff like that, even if Dude, I find a little bit of it a little far. David Barton goes on these little rants about how all of the founders were Christians, how he owns Nathan Bedford Forrest's sword that he had used to skin a slave, which is not a, a true story, by the way. And then when people push back on him, he's like, oh, I have the original documents that I own and you can't look at. Fuck off, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I've sort of heard. I've, I've heard the scuttle, but I mean, typically when he brings on David Barton, I don't. You should absolutely not listen to David Barton ever. <laughs> Like I said, he's legitimately the Howard Zen of the right. 
on the, on the right. Okay, now all right. So now I've now been uh, red pilled on that. I mean, I gen- but I generally don't like those conversations or don't listen because I, because I don't care. Right. Um, right. There are other personalities that I find a, a lot more appealing on the network. And Tommy Loren came from the Blaze. Yeah. So did SE Cup. So did. Man, that SE Cup is a fucking retard, though. <laughs> she used to be smoking hot and, and, and like. Did you see? Right wing. Did you see her tweet? Right wing. Where she talked to America as if America was her child. See, and she was also the one pushing like when when uh, suddenly when their children's you know when you start seeing pictures of kids getting like bombed in Syria, it's like we gotta do something. It's like no, we don't. Okay, what we do, we need to we need the CIA to stop giving these people <laughs> sarin gas. <laughs> yeah, she was advocating like you know send it you know another adventurous war. Yeah. No, what we needed to stop doing was interfering. Right. We, we we need to stop giving the moderate rebels sarin gas. We need to stop doing it. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff we needed to stop giving the moderate uh, rebels, i.e., cover. But here's the deal: like, so this is a long way of saying, like, the alumni of the of the Blaze in the past have not been um, great. Yeah. Um, but but the current crop, I feel, is better, especially when they bring on Eric July. When they bring on, you know, Matt Kibbe, yeah. you know, or have Matt Kibbe as part of the overall network. I feel that he has done, and you give him his props, right? He's had on neocons. He's had on like, you know, MAGA, you know, MAGA chicks. Um, you know, I mean, Tommy Loren is just a pretty chick yelling right wing talking points. Nonsensically sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it was always nonsense. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, Dana Lash for a long time, who's oh. still relatively consistent. Dana Loesch has me blocked on Twitter. Oh, why? What'd you say? I said that the NRA is milk toast on gun rights. Oh, yeah, no, oh, God, yeah, no, no, okay. I thought, yeah, I th- you know, I love me some Dana, so I thought we was going to have to have some words, no. but I'm like, you know, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely correct. Yeah, I can't read her, <laughs> I can't read her tweets on my primary profile because, because I said that the, the NRA is milk toast on gun rights. It wasn't even like fucking milk toast. It was just the NRA is milk toast on gun rights. Block. They, well, they are. I mean, I, I, I don't understand why that hurt, I mean, because, the problem with the NRA is the NRA got uh, spread itself too big, too thin, right? Because you remember NRA TV. Well, the problem with the NRA is that they're they're the the chamberlains of gun rights groups. They help write gun laws instead of trying to stop them. Yeah, dude. I mean, every time I hear this, the story of the NRA being this pro abolitionist. Yeah. All this gun rights for blacks and you know, gun rights for people and stuff like that. Actually, um, Coleon Lorg actually did a pretty good breakdown history of, like, gun control and, like, the NRA advocacy. And, like, advocacy for the NRA wasn't a real thing until, like, the 70s. Yeah. And, like, it, yeah, it. I mean, you know, Black Panthers, anyone, right? I mean, there's a lot of red pilling that needs to happen on the right that I, I, I do from time to time when I talk to my friends on the right when I can meet them face to face. And I'll let them know. It's just like man, Ronald Reagan's rhetoric, man, from 1960, 
when was the Goldwater election? 64? With the Goldwater election. Yeah, from 64 to about the early 70s, was that was that was based Ronald Reagan. Then he became governor of California, and he got no-fault divorces, you got abortion rights, and, oh, shit, these Black Panthers, show, these, these brothers showing up with guns, fuck this shit, and gun laws. <laughs> and so... And so how he was able to parlay that into being like the font and the in the in the face of like conservatism, I guess bewilders. I guess he gave he gave great speeches. Yeah, I mean that's that's all I can think. He of. was a gr- he he was a great with rhetoric, man. He was funny. Oh, dude, he was perfect with it. I mean, every time I listen to Reagan's speech, I'm like, God damn, man, that guy's really good. Who is this guy? Oh, wait a minute, no, that's not the guy. <laughs> But, I mean, I still have a, a, a great deal of respect for Reagan. I mean, you, if you've ever listened to that Time for Choosing speech, it is literally probably one of the best political speeches of the 60s. And, and so, yeah, he just kind of – he kind of – he kind of – that was kind of his Barack Obama, Obama moment, right? You remember Obama in 2004, <laughs> you know, Democratic Convention, red states and blue states, and, and we're the United States. That, that Time for Choosing speech was the equivalent in, in, uh, in that election year. But – Actually, we got pretty far afield. Let's go back to QAnon for a second. <laughs> well, but before that, let me just say, could you have created a more perfect, quote unquote, black man to run for president and be the face of the Democratic Party than Barack Obama? No, no. It no. was like he was made in a lab. I mean, it's crazy. The brother was the brother was good. I mean, you can't deny. I mean, even I. Like that 2004 speech at the Democratic convention, that was a great damn speech. And even his, um, I think uh, he's, I mean, he's just a great, he's just a great orator. I mean, the man was just good, good at his job. He was a goddamn socialist. But that's beside the point, right? You, you got game, got to respect game. And he was great at that rhetoric. But yeah, the guy was literally created in a lab. <laughs> and actually, he was, he was, he, he was the love, he was the love child of like. You know, cultural Marxists, Alinskyites, and, you know, Black Panthers. Yeah. Um, but back to but, Q. You know, but, okay. So, yeah, so Q got mass banned. Yes. On Twitter this week. And it's funny how they mass banned, like, the guys that are kind of openly saying, like, yo, there's some pedophile bullshit going on. And yet, like, I literally have a not safe for work feed that I look at. And it's like straight porn. <laughs> Or naked, or, or naked chicks. It's not gay. But that's porn? cool. That's cool. Uh, um, there's some of that. You have to be very, very careful. But then, according to Ryan, right? Oh. All porn is gay porn. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we decided, unless it's a solo lady, then it's good. And there's those two, and that's all. That's all on Twitter, yeah. right? And QAnon, though. But nah, man. You know, even though they're talking crazy, but they are talking about an issue that's kind of important. And even if it's you know, kind of bathed in like conspiracy theory and star chamber bullshit. But you got to understand though, like why, why ban those guys? Like, you know, I don't know. Why not? You know, it's, 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 it's this continuing double standard that I've been railing against for feels like years now. Uh, the true like anatomy of how they gaslight people on social media. Um, like, like Dana Loesch or Dana Lash or whatever. Um, I still, I don't see tweets from her. I follow her. She doesn't block me, <laughs> um, but I don't see them. And the algorithm drives me more toward dumb stuff. Yeah. Like the corporate stuff I see a lot. Yeah. 
And so, like, it's not even the people I follow actively. And, like, people who I thought I followed actively, particularly in, in you know, in, you know, Twitter libertarianism, I just don't, I, I, after a while, I think it's kind of algorithmic, algorithmically driven, but I also think there's some shadow banning going on. And I think it's just, like, they, if I don't engage a lot with a tweet or, or, or a follower, I just see less of them over time. Yeah. It's funny. They brought this on themselves. The censorship is coming. The antitrust laws are coming. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be bad. It, it's going to be bad. Like when they inevitably like start doing the section two thirty stuff that the MAGA right is yelling about. And the, the left has always hated. Oh, like anything I brought having to do with, I just remembered, I brought this up to Gary and actually I'm going to ask you two questions. I asked Gary as well, mm. but here's my thing. I don't trust parlor for a couple of reasons. Some people have said that their terms of service are bad. Some people have said that in order to send direct messages, you have to send in your a copy of your driver's license. But for me, I don't trust any widespread, well-talked-about, well newfangled Twitter or Facebook replacement that's catered towards MAGA types or anarchists. Right. You don't, yeah, you don't, you don't like, you, yeah, you don't like them playing up the ideological play. because. I don't trust that the people who are getting your driver's license for you to send DMs couldn't be either infiltrated by or already have been infiltrated by feds who want to keep their eyes on the dissidents. Yeah, no, that's that's a genuine concern. It's why there need to definitely be kind of Mastodon, like decentralized social networks. Parlor is nothing more than a market reaction. Gab is I, I would trust Gab a lot more than I would trust Parler at this point. But even Gab, I wouldn't trust. I, I just I do not trust any place like that because I just know. And I don't really think, and I don't, I don't think Gab is that is terribly that ideologically driven. They, I don't think they care. Right. But I think what it is, I think Parler it does. Yeah. And and yeah, they do have. Yeah, they do have some crazy terms of they they do have some crazy terms of service that it, like if you dig really deep, like you know, I I, I kind of railed against some uh, tech dirt because you know, you know they they're they're leftists, but I mean they but they they did kind of did a deep dive into that terms of service, and I was just like, eh, that's kind of yeah, shady. I just don't trust. And them. also they do, or they are they are banning. Well, you know, that's your natural distrust of everything, right? But you but you should always be not trust. I don't trust Twitter. Why do you think I'm not verified? <laughs> well, I. I it's like with Twitter and Facebook, like I of course I don't trust them, but it's so widespread and open and not particularly pointed at any single type of group that I'm less worried about it because there are what how many are there a billion people on Facebook? Well over, yes. And how many people are on Parlor? Less than probably less than twenty million now. It's not it's not large. It's it's grown very it's it's grown it's grown very quickly. I just, but it's, I don't trust but, that. I mean, I, 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 well, here's the deal. I don't. Why not? It's just it's competition. Even even well, if it's but the point even is if they have their own rules. The, and I I will I don't have any problem trusting people who I can put a face to a name who isn't doing it to like Gab. They definitely have ideological bents to them, but. But Jack Dorsey doesn't. No, I'm saying that they do. But I've been on Twitter since 2008. I've been on Facebook since 2006. 
I just don't, I, I just feel like there's a chance that this is a tank to hold people that the government wants to keep an eye on. Look at what's happened with Discord. Two people from our network, Maddie and Jesse, actually got kicked off of Discord for being in Boogaloo groups. Yeah, no, that's, but that's, that's the same problem you run into on Twitter and Facebook. But, well, I'm, I'm saying, but this is so pointed that it makes me trust it less. Oh, you're talking. You're you're just talking about the ideological makeup of the net, of the dissident network, right? I trust it less because it's it's a it seems like a honey trap. Well, yeah. I mean, you should you should not trust the blockchain much. Either. I don't trust any but of it. That's going to. I guess if you get to the end of it, that's I don't what, trust it's, shit. it's ultimately going to it's ultimately going to be the salvation of a lot of what we do. Right. Um. I think they're. I think they're. It's. It's decentralized. I. I think what needs to happen is. I think these networks need to be decentralized so that they are. There are going to be these islands, um, and when there are islands and concentrations of people, if any state actor or any or in this instance non-state actor is what really goes on in a lot of these networks. Why do you think they get kicked off these networks? It's because there are groups where people infiltrate. Who then go in and then snitch and report, and that's why people get kicked off. This happens, in my opinion, in my in my in my estimation. If you're on the right, it happens more on these other networks. Oh yeah, right. These mainstream. Ones. Right. If you're on the left, it happens in Parlor a lot. Right. Because um, there's a lot of left wing people who are getting kicked off of Parlor. It doesn't matter. I I guess I don't see why it matters. I think they're all monitored. And it, either either they're monitored by the government or they're monitored by useful idiots that will come into your group and snitch on you and cause you to get kicked off these platforms. It's just how it works. It just feels too much like a honeypot to me for me to trust it. They, they're all honey. They're all honeypots. Generally speaking, if the state really wants to crack down, I mean, all they got to all they got to do is. Yeah, I mean, Facebook groups are concentrations of honeypots. And if Facebook at any point wanted to pull the wool, give them the key, uh, the encryption keys, or give them the keys into the into the kingdom or into these little fiefdoms that we created in, on the social media networks in the form of these groups, they can. To think that no one is in our group who you don't quite under, you don't really know them, you're not really close and stuff like that, that they are not looking for opportunities to fuck us is to be naive. There's no difference. I know in Jason's parlor. in our group. <laughs> <laughs> But no, uh, uh, no. All I'm saying is that yes, that all of these things exist on Facebook and in Twitter and in the existing tech world. But it's just when I guess the question is, what are you worried? Of, what are you worried about happen? So what if you get kicked off a of parlor? Or so what if like the government comes into parlor and starts doing what? What do you? What are you ultimately afraid? I'm of? not worried about getting kicked off of parlor. I'm worried about. When you set up something that looks that sweet to someone who is scared of getting kicked off of Facebook because of their ideological bent, if you put something out there that is, it's just, it came up, I know they've been around for a while, but it came up so quick and so many people jumped on, so many Make America Great Again types. It's hard for me to not feel like the people, the deep state could very well be using that to know who they are and they gather their driver's license for dms there are just a couple of things that make me go this isn't safe well then i mean i mean well first of all you should never unless you're doing financial transactions you should never because sometimes you have to do this you should never give 
to send a DM to somebody, you should never give that information right. out. That's that's just stupid. The other thing, the other thing is, it doesn't. Uh, uh, but I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. I guess I don't. I guess in a way, I don't. I, I'm not that skeptical. I guess I don't care. Well, for me, there are there are red flags, so that I'm not gonna go on parlor. And now that I'm aware of those red flags, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a plot, right? I'm not trying to go down into the star chamber quite yet, but I'm just like the reason why these people go to these platforms is because they've been pushed, they've been kicked off other platforms. If that is purposeful, then it's pretty maniacal. However, I don't give the same type of credence to a deep state that is too stupid to send out PPP loans. <laughs> I I think that we, when it comes to the deep state, when it comes to the FBI, the CIA, I would put them in a completely different category than PPP loans. I would definitely put them in because they've been there for years. I mean, just look at what uh, Hoover did while he was there. I think we, I, I, I think we sometimes suffer too much from this this cognitive dissonance of thinking that, like, on the one hand, they're the most sinister sociopathic organizations in the world, but some, but but at the same time, though, you know. And they should not be trusted, and they shouldn't be. But at the same time, there have been a lot of their misdeeds that have cost lives or because of sheer fucking incompetence and stupidity. It's just that they have a fuck ton of power, and their fuck ups kill people. Yeah. I, I, so I don't, I don't, sep- no, I don't separate the two. I don't separate the stupidity of the Small Business Administration from the FBI. I do. I just purely don't. because they have more practice. And they're they're more they have more of a of an agenda. No, no, no. You, 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 the only reason why I would agree with that is because they have more power. I.e., they can kill people and, and lock people in cages and steal money. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that like government incompetence is not not rampant. Oh no, government incompetence is rampant. But when you have something like the FBI or the CIA who are not transient, whose actions are not shown for the world to see, the incompetence when they've had to hide things. And they screw up sometimes, Iran-Contra, but I doubt they screw up every time. I think that when it comes to like the CIA and the FBI, they're far more competent than we want to think they are. And having worked in, having worked in the government apparatus, I'm going to tell you, there's some smart people. But no. <laughs> Just letting you know. There's some smart people. There's some sinister people. There's some people who have ulterior motives. There's some evil motherfuckers. But as a whole, no. And but I mean back to the the whole parlor thing though. It's like okay, so I don't, so you don't trust them. I mean, okay, I don't trust them because you know. But I, I I'm not I'm not going to say that from a nefarious standpoint that like these people were kicked off other platforms and so they just went and congregated somewhere else. Now is that a honey trap, honey pot, whatever? I don't know. No one has built a decentralized alternative that works well yet, and maybe we do in the future. Maybe parlor. I don't think ultimately will be long lasting. No. Gab is um, a fringe thing. Not that I, 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 not that I wouldn't go on Gab and support them, and nor am I a big fan of the fact that Gab, a Gab or a Parlor even has to fucking exist, and that a Gab has had to fight for its life over the last two to three years because of this mob, woke mob, twenty first century progressives who infiltrate these. They already infiltrate our networks, and they already go and snitch us out, and they're useful idiots. There's, so there's three there's three of these these three types of these people I can't fucking stand. There's your useful idiots, your true believers, and your Svengalis. And I think the Svengalis tell the useful idiots what they want to hear, and they convince the ordinary men that they're doing the right thing, even if they're doing the most evilest shit ever. Which is why I can then take that into 
yeah, the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, name your three-letter agencies, are sinister at their core, but they're ultimately filled with people who were useful idiots slash ordinary men run by Spengali's. And they're not that competent. They're you know, by nature of the fact that like they on in operations they fuck up and kill more people than they help. That's what makes me scared of them. You know, the fact they have the power to fuck up and that they're not that competent. They may think they're that competent. That's the that's the Spengali's and the and the useful idiots. They think they're competent, but they're not. They're far from competent. And it is why they don't need to be instilled or or given like the power they're given. And it's like to lock people up, to take their money and to kill them if they don't obey. That's what that is. That is ultimately why I don't trust them. I don't know, man. I don't I, I was going to try to get on parlor because I was I was going to I was going to try to rep the network, rep the show. But now you got me scared. Well, I have to start sending in like license plates and shit or licenses and stuff like that. Well, uh, let, let's just say that I maybe I'm smarter than the the feds and the people who do these kind of operations. But if I had people... What do you think their end goal is then? For instance, I had people who I was watching through Facebook or through Twitter, and they got kicked off of Facebook or Twitter because at this point I don't actually have full control over Facebook or Twitter. But I don't want those people to go and find ways outside of a generalized system that I can look through to watch. I don't want them to go underground. So I create or usurp a certain service so that I can still watch mm-hmm. those same people who have been kicked off of the platforms I used to watch them on. Okay. That's what I would do. <laughs> I may be smarter than them, but... <laughs> so here's the deal. We're not, we're not in disagreement that that isn't a possibility or that that's not happening. Case in point, Boogaloo groups were, were, were purged and people who were part of those Boogaloo groups were purged. So yes... That exists. Yeah. And yes, they ultimately have to go somewhere. And yes, they're probably on a digital watch list. This exists. That your 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 paranoia is founded true and yeah, it, well, it's true, not probably. I mean, it's true. And yeah, I get it. However, where are they gonna go? What do you mean? Where are they gonna go from parlor? Or from anywhere else. Well, I just, I, I just think it's, I just think it's intelligence gathering and watching people and trying All to push social networks. No, that's what, and I, that's what I'm saying. Our intelligence, but gathering. when it comes to something like Parler that touts itself as free speech, that opens up the doors for the people who've been kicked off of other platforms, it makes me ask the question: Is this a way for them to watch without having to worry about being kicked off? Is this a holding yes. tank where? intelligence is gathered yes yes there then there, well, there you well, go yeah, yeah. we're in agreement <laughs> it's, it's, I, the, the question is I, the question yeah the question yeah I, I just i guess the only reason why i just i'm just not concerned right well i'm not i'm not concerned i'm not concerned about it i'm just saying i'm not going to do it so now so now i kind of get it now i get i was like oh yeah you're right hmm you're probably right <laughs> still I, 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 it's just like the terms of servicing shitty but i mean like i say where are these people gonna go ultimately and yeah if they're being watched they're being watched but here's the deal they're not i don't think ultimately until something really pops off they're not being watched by the government they're being watched for people who ultimately want to cancel them so that's who that's who's watching them the cathedral the cathedral yes (laughs) all right 
Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask my last two questions. Damn the cathedral. Okay, go ahead. Go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go so ahead. the first one is which celebrity are you most excited about being outed as a pedophile? Which one who I potentially may, who I think, yeah. maybe, or who has been already outed? Who, when it happens, will you go, I fucking knew it? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I don't follow a lot of them. Let's, uh... It can be, it can be politicians too. Just anyone who, who will be outed. Um, if I had to guess a politician who could probably be outed as a pedophile... It's it's gotta be it's gotta be Eric Swalwell. <laughs> okay. Because I hate that. Fucking guy. Well, it's like for me, like I told Gary, it's Tom Hanks. I've been skeeved out by that dude for a number of years, and I'm just telling you, I will be absolutely. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vindicated. If that happens. I guess who's hot right now? Pe- may, may, I don't know. Maybe um, Jimmy Kimmel. Maybe Patton Oswalt. Hmm. Maybe. Um, uh, you know, uh, God, that'd be a, that's a good one, man. I I would have to say, man, that would there 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 are lots of actors that kind of give me pause. Yeah, you know, when you just like you're just a little too too quick to the you know you you know you a little too quick to condemn, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's that's who. If it was a politician, it'd be like Swalwell. You know, you're at Swalwell. If it, if it had to be anyone, I'd, I'd be Kimmel or Patton Oswalt. Gotcha. <laughs> and my last question before I sign off. What is your favorite thing about me? The beard. Everyone says it. It's manly. <laughs> it's, it's manly. I'm jealous. I can never grow anything like that. And if I did, it'd just be big and gray and, and, and nappy. So, yes. Well, mine, mine's already sprouting white hairs. So... By the time I'm probably 45 or 50, it's going to be Santa Claus white. Hey, dude, embrace it and then play Santa Claus for Christmas for the kids. man. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Thaddeus. Hey, man, this has been this is this is this has almost been Joe Rogan like in the marathon nature, man. It has. So, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> if you want to find Thaddeus, check him out on Twitter at Nick Way. If you want to listen to his wonderful show, Thank You For Your Servers, you can find that at thankyouforyourservers.com or over at mlganetwork.com. If you want to find me, type in this is MLGA anywhere. Email me at cam at mlganetwork.com and uh, go find my Patreon. It'll be in my links on the episode notes on our episode page and give me money because I want it. You know, I deserve something. Yeah, man, definitely, man. If anything, for that beard. And also, yeah, I know I didn't answer this question before. Yeah, yeah, the uh, press sec would get the D. Awesome. Thank you, thank you for coming on, Thaddeus. And listeners, as always, stay sane. Yeah.